0: Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday morning messages are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, enjoy the message. Good morning, Valley. How y'all doing this morning? Well, I'm Pastor Jamie. I'm the associate pastor here at Valley. Pastor Dave's up and Miss Andrea and the boys are up in Michigan on vacation, they're Usual summer trek up there, enjoying the nice, cool weather, 70-some degrees, cool nights. Fall is my favorite time of year. I think it's Pastor Davis too, that's why he loves being there. but they're uh, enjoying that. so he's given me the honor, privilege, privilege to bring the word this morning. You guys a game for that? All right, let's pray. We'll get started. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, you are an awesome God. Just as uh, Justin was talking about, you're faithful. Lord, your promises are true. Lord, you are going to fulfill every word. Lord, we thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. Open our hearts and our minds to perceive what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. Lord, your word says that the Spirit is constantly speaking. We just fail to perceive it. I pray that not be the case this morning. Let us have our spiritual ears attuned to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I had several questions on uh, Revelation. So I had a couple questions about, you know, what are the symbolism of certain things in Revelation. One question my daughter Lauren asked, she asked about the seven spirits. What were the seven spirits in the throne of God? The four living creatures. So throughout Revelation, there's all these uh, visions that John has, and, and all these different uh, interpretations can be made of these visions. Sometimes it clearly says what they are, and, and sometimes not. And so, theologians over the years have, have spent a lot of time trying to figure out what all these things mean. I am not going to try to do that this morning. <laughs> 22 chapters of Revelation. I have two Sundays, couldn't can possibly even come close to touching uh, the whole book of Revelation. So uh, some, one person didn't ask a question. They just said, preach Revelations. I'm like, what? I mean, are you, do you know what? You got 25 weeks? You know, maybe I can get it done. It's a, it's a, it's a daunting thing for, for pastors. And to be quite honest with you, I'm really never nervous in front of people. Uh, like right now, I mean, I'm not, I'm good, you know, I'm all right. Public speaking doesn't make me nervous. You know what makes me nervous? Speaking about revelations. Because <laughs> it's so huge. You could preach five sermons just out of like four verses. It's it's ridiculous how much is in here. So I'm going to do my very best to point out some of the key things in revelation that uh, that I think we need to understand to be able to even read it and approach it from the right perspective. So the book was actually written, a little historical background, the book was actually written by who? John, right? John was a disciple of Jesus, and John was who? The one in whom Jesus loved. So this is the closest person on earth to Jesus. It's his friend. It's I mean, there's an intimate relationship that John has with Jesus, and that's why they believe that John was the last surviving disciple. He was, this was written in about 96 AD, is what church history teaches. Some theologians think it was earlier, and he rewrote it, and, you know, there's all kinds of different thoughts about that. But we're just going to go with uh, church history. So if it's 96 AD, then John is, is an elderly man, and he... Uh has gone to Ephesus and he's been preaching the gospel in Ephesus and in Asia Minor and he's been persecuted for it so the Romans banish him to an island called Patmos and it's a barren island There's nothing there so here you go John's out there he's been preaching the gospel he gets banished and then uh an angel appears and he says write write this down Okay. So we're going to pick it up in Revelation 1.1, 1, 1. and it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So let's stop right there for a second. All right, so something really interesting. I could preach a whole sermon right here. Something that re- really interesting that happens. This is a revelation of who? Of Jesus Christ. So the book actually has a title, like the Song of Solomon, right? There's a, only a couple books in the Bible that have a full title. And this is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the full revelation of Jesus Christ that he wants to be made known to man. So God does something. So check it out right there in the beginning. It says, the revelation which God gave to him. Who? Jesus. Check this out. So which God gave to him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending an angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of who, of God, to the testimony of Jesus Christ. All right, so this is kind of how it took place. God revealed what He wanted said to Jesus. Jesus revealed it to uh, to the angel, and then the angel revealed it to John. Things could get messed up when that happens, can it? That's what we think in our human minds. Jennifer, I know you're a teacher. Have you ever played that little game where you like whisper? Yeah, you whisper something in, in the first person's ear, and they whisper, and they whisper, and they whisper, and then pretty soon by that, you got a story that you won't believe, right? Why it goes? But this is God talking to Jesus, talking to an angel who witnessed everything that God in Jesus, what God revealed to Jesus, and He said, "Now go and speak it to John." So this is this is divine. There's no mistakes. It's infallible. This is exactly what God intended for man to know about Jesus Christ. This is the revelation from God's mouth to Jesus's ear and witnessed by the angel. This is not John going, "Hmm, you know in Daniel, you know, it said like one like the son of man was going to approach. you okay, know, so I'm going to write that down. That's really good." No. This is John witnessing and being told by God and Jesus and an angel, write this down. So guess what? Every word in here is true. It's divinely inspired. It is God's word to you. That's where we gotta start. We gotta start from that perspective. We gotta start and go, oh man, really, this is is God speaking to me? I think we have, I think we have a, a problem, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, yeah, let me ask you a question first. Y'all bring your steel-toed boots. Because it's going to get ugly in here in a little bit, I'm telling you. We have a problem in our perspective, in the way we approach Scripture. I, I believe that we, as Christ, even Christians, see <clears throat> Jesus in a, in a certain light. And we don't put him in his rightful place because we're real comfortable from John's perspective the one in whom Jesus loved So here you got I want you I want you to imagine just for a second okay I want you to be John can you be John for a second? come on put your first century Jewish hat on all right you're chilling're you're, you're reclining at the table with Jesus at the at the we just took communion right we remembered let's remember for a second chilling reclining with jesus at the table celebrating the passover remembering what god did for the israelites and the the spirit of death passing over the angel of death passing over the israelites and saving all the firstborn killing all the firstborn of the egyptians celebrating that jesus breaking bread giving it to you and the whole time you're just like yeah jesus just chilling with Jesus because you're his friend. See, I believe that that's the concept of Jesus that we have, and we're comfortable with that. We, we like that. How many people like snuggling with Jesus? Yeah, man, I like snuggling with Jesus, Get my Jesus on. Well, see, we're comfortable with that idea, but this is the idea we're not comfortable with. Let me, re- let me read you something real quick. I, John, your brother and partner in tribulation, in the kingdom, in the uh, patient endurance that is our uh, in Jesus, was in the island of Patmos when God's word came. In the spirit of the Lord, I heard behind me a, a loud voice, like a trumpet saying, write down what you see in this book in the seven churches in Ephesus, and he goes on. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. His hair uh, of his head was white, white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like flames of fire, and his feet were like uh, burnished bronze and refined in a furnace. And his voice was like roaring many waters, in his right hand he held the seven stars and in his mouth came a double-edged sword and his face was like the sun, shining sun in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And He laid his right hand on me and said, fear not, for I am the first and the last. You see, we can sleep with Jesus, the earthly Jesus that John knew man you'd have nightmares when you start you start thinking about him glorified see that's the problem we think we're we're good with the earthly jesus that loved us so much that died on the cross for us but we're terrified of the jesus that's glorified and john was john was his friend what do you think if you if you were jesus's friend and you fell asleep and the spirit an angel took you up to heaven and you turned around and you saw Jesus for the first time after his death and resurrection, what would you do? I mean, you are his friend, right? What would you do? Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. I'm going to tear something up. Oh, man. Oh, I missed you. Oh, so awesome to see you. No. What'd John do? He fell down as though he was dead. He, hey, bro, he fainted. <laughs> he went, He fainted at the sight of the glorified Christ because there is a great disparity between who Jesus was on earth and his glorified self in heaven. And that's what um, we don't quite understand, I don't think, as Christians. We like to see him as earthly Jesus and not the glorified Jesus. See, Charles Spurgeon, you've heard me say this before, said, God being the giver of grace, Us being the receiver of grace, we now spend the rest of our lives responding out of what? Gratitude. You know what produces gratitude? Seeing Christ here. The moment that we try to bring Christ down to our level, the moment we try to bring Christ down to that earthly man that John knew, We no longer see the weight of our own sin. It diminishes. The only way to have gratitude and complete understanding of what Jesus actually did is to see him as glorified because he's up here and it creates a disparity between his glorification and the weight of our sin. And when Jesus from up here says, come on up here, get out of that. Yeah, come on, get up here. And he brings us up to the son level and daughter level. Now, now we see. Now gratitude is born in our hearts and we can respond the rest of our lives understanding, man, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once down in the mire and the muck and the trash and the everything and God brought me up. You see, I'm I'm pretty soft. I cry a lot. My kids make fun of me, my wife makes fun of me. Because, you know, I used to be all this macho, tough guy, you know, getting in fights all the time, black belt, and, you know, all this 80-second airborne, -ah, you know, all this stuff, right? (coughs) But one day, my mama started praying that God would soften my heart. And over in Iraq, I, I met Jesus, really, really met Jesus. I didn't know whether my next step was going to be last. And I said, "Lord, if you save me, I'll serve you the rest of my life." God saved me that day. The rest of my life. See, when when you're down here, you don't know whether your next step's going to be your last. You don't know whether you're going to live or die whether you got sickness or disease. You don't know whether your drugs or alcohol is going to kill you. You don't know what's going on. There's a great disparity between Jesus Christ glorified and where you're at. Right? And when you realize that, when the revelation of who Jesus is comes into your mind, you go, oh, God, I see. I see what you did for me. I see where you brought me from. Thank you. Gratitude is born. You know, the Greek word, the way we pronounce it, sounds like um, apocalypse. It's not actually pronounced exactly like that in the Greek. I'm not even going to try because I mess it up every time. But it really means the uncovering or the unveiling. See, the Old Testament was Jesus concealed, New Testament Christ revealed. So it's an unveiling, a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, who God wants us to know about Jesus in his dealings with man and the earth. You know what the uh, the most used word in Revelation is? Come on, take a guess. What's the most frequent word in Revelation? Come on, somebody guess. Jesus. Somebody else, come on let's get some participation going on in here what oh shall that's good especially if you're reading the old, uh, king james right He <laughs> shall do this earth earth ah she told you she was in first service <clears throat> it's like like 76 times he talks about the earth because it's about how God's going to deal with the earth. It's a revelation of what things are going to come. So I want you guys to do something. Read Genesis, and then read Revelations. Because everything outlined in Genesis is completed in Revelation. He wraps it all up. Let's go back just a little bit. We're going to go back. And it says... <clears throat> to verse 3, one three. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. You see, there's a threefold blessing right here. I could stop and I could preach three sermons. One on reading God's word, one on hearing God's word, and one on keeping his commands. That's how much is in Revelation threefold blessing of God right here it says that if you read it, if you hear it and you keep it, you will be blessed. Why do you think the, the Israelites were blessed? Come on, Bible scholars, think about it for a second. Why do you think the Israelites were blessed? Why were the Jewish people blessed? God made his what? They attempted to keep His word. They received God's word, right? Number one, they were the keeper of God's word. God delivered his word to them. He made a covenant with them. And he said, if you love me, you will obey my commands." That's why they were blessed. But they only had a fraction. They had Christ concealed. They did not have Christ revealed. Today, we have Christ revealed. If we read these, what's written in this book, if we hear what is written in this book, and we keep the commands, what is written in Revelations, we will be blessed. And then it goes on to uh, verse four it says, Grace and peace from him who was, and who is, and is to come and from the seven spirits are, uh, who are before the throne. There's a lot of things going on in this world, you know it? How many people are a little frustrated with where we're at in our society? You know how frustrated with that? How many people are really, oh man, a little apprehensive about what's going on in the world? Come on, let's be honest. We are. Man, yeah, but you steel-toed shoes on. It's because we're looking at things wrongly. I'm going to pick on you old men, especially the ones that stay up late night watching Fox News. <laughs> Getting all crotchety. I can't believe this going on. You believe this, they're doing this, and they're doing that, and hell in a handbasket, and yeah. <laughs> Have you read the end of the book? We win. <laughs> That's it, we win. Jesus, God, the angel is revealing what his plan is. Now, all I want you to do is watch Fox News tonight with a different set of goggles on. I don't care what Donald Trump says. I don't care what Jung whatever says. And Xi jing whatever? I care what Jesus Christ says. I care what this book says. I mean, come on. Are you going to see history through the book of Revelation or through the eyes of a commentator that doesn't know Jesus? So let's get to it. Grace. And peace to you. Who, from who was and who is and is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne. When I read that, my desk that day, man, I just started weeping. Because you know what that is? It's an encouragement from God. I mean, think about the tribulation. The trials, the things that were going on in the disciples' lives at that time when this was written, they were being burned. They were being beaten. They were being beheaded. They were being banished and killed and crucified. The church was was spread out all over Asia, fleeing from persecution. Do you think that was part of God's plan? Doggone right. You know, people have a problem with seeing God in, in certain ways. And when I talk to people about the sovereignty of God, they, they struggle with this concept. They're like, you mean to tell me that, <coughs> that you know, God was in, in the Gulf War? Yep. You know why? Because guess where the gospel be is, is being preached today? middle east right god see god is sovereign his plan is sovereign he is moving forward whether we like it or not he is moving his hand this is the good hand of god moves nations and right here the god that moves kings and this is i'm jumping ahead of myself is saying to you grace And peace from the one who was and is and is to come. That's God's message right here for you. Can you I mean, can you imagine that? Just the weight of that is just blows me away. Be encouraged, church. It is a time, this is a time of crisis. And John begins with this very reassuring, strengthening, encouraging, hopeful word. There is nothing that has happened between then and now that makes these words of hope any less relevant or less applicable to the Christian today. Hear from the apostle yourself. So the question uh, that Lauren asked was, what are the seven spirits that are before the throne?" And if you look in uh, Isaiah and you look in Zechariah, <clears throat> it talks about uh, the spirits of God, and it talks of, and I think Zechariah is, is the is the picture of the menorah, <clears throat> which is an emblem of the Holy Spirit. So I believe that uh, two things: it's about the uh, the perfection of the Holy Spirit, and then uh, in I think it's Isaiah, it talks about wisdom and understanding, counsel and strength, knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So there's a section of scripture in Isaiah 11 too that you can take a look at. But I don't want to focus on on that one particular thing. I want to focus on the fact of, the intent of this book is for us to see who Jesus Christ really is. Jesus is The ruler of all. Everybody say Jesus is the ruler of all. In Matthew 20, excuse me, uh, he controls who becomes king and who doesn't. Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Right? So Jesus here is resurrected, he's glorified, he comes down, he reappears, he spends 40 days with his disciples, and then he, he goes up in the clouds to heaven. And before he goes, right at the end of Matthew, he says, all power, in he- all authority, excuse me, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, so therefore go. So what does that make us? Ambassadors, right? We are the ambassadors of Christ. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, reclaimed the authority which was lost in the Garden of Eden. Now, God, through Jesus Christ, has the right to rule. He has dominion and authority over the entire earth and everything in it. Pretty cool. Think about who Jesus is now. See him glorified. All power, authority is his. <coughs> Daniel 2, 21 says, God changes times and season. He removes kings and sets up kings. Wait, you mean, Pastor Jamie, God caused Hitler to be established? Mm, Yeah, he did. People have a problem with that. Well, you mean Mussolini and Stalin and Mount Mount Satan, possibly up to... Sixty million Chinese Christians were killed in the cultural revelation under Mao. You mean that God raised him up? Uh-huh. Why? Revival. <laughs> yeah, they killed, they killed possibly sixty million Christians in China, but how many Christians are there now? <laughs> millions and millions. In millions, day after day, the church is spreading and expanding. <laughs> yeah, did Hitler kill six million Jews? Yep, he sure did. But what happened after that, Jerry? Israel was reborn. That's right, isn't it? In God's word and his promises are yes and amen. And the remnant of Israel is being recalled back to Jerusalem. And they're taking a dead language and reviving it, taking a dead culture that was spread out to the corners of the earth and reviving it. Man, they got, look, all they got to do is tear that dome down up that's sitting on top of the ruins of the temple and rebuild the temple. We re- man, we're ready to roll in Revelations. <laughs> you want to know when the end's coming? That's when the end's coming. You see that dome tore down and the temple rebuilt? Buddy, you better be ready. Because they already got all the instruments of sacrifice. They already got the red heifer. They already got all of it to reestablish temple worship. And the end's coming. God moves nations and kings. Sets them up, tears them down for his will to be done. That's the reality. Jesus regulates what the kings of the earth do. This is one of my favorite stories in Genesis 26. It's, I find it really funny. Abraham has a beautiful wife named Sarah. I'm going to have to speed it up because I'm running out of town. I've got five minutes. Y'all stop talking. <clears throat> Abraham has a Sarah, really, a wife, Sarah. He has a Sarah. Um, he has a wife named Sarah who's really beautiful. And he goes and he's traveling. I'm going to make this quick. He's traveling through a foreign land and the king, he's afraid that the king's going to kill him and take his wife. So, He tells Sarah, if the king's men ask or the king asks, you're my sister. So the king asks, obviously, he says, oh, this is my brother. And uh, so the king says, well, I want you to be in my harem. Come on, you're with me. Paraphrasing, obviously. (laughs) So he takes Sarah into his harem, doesn't touch her yet, but he, I mean, he's gonna, he gonna. So he goes to sleep that night and God shows up, but he says, look, boy, if you touch her, I'm going to kill you. I mean, how many people want God showing up in your dream, <laughs> telling you I'm gonna kill you? No, I don't. Well, look at that. So, <laughs> God, that was great. I didn't even time that. That was pretty good. So the king wakes up. He goes to Abraham. And I'm gonna paraphrase. Bro, what are you doing to me? You said she was your sister, and Abraham's like, well, she kind of is. I didn't lie. She's my half sister. I had the same dad, not the same mom. God said he was going to kill me if, you turn, if I touch her. Man, take her back. So king gives Sarah back, and they go on about their, their merry way. And the king argued with God, and he said, Lord, you know it was not the intent of my heart to do evil. And he said, it's because of the intent of your heart that I will not kill you, but you got to give her back. God controls the intent of the king's heart, doesn't he? God controls that. He also, he controls the, uh, he has authority and claim to claim citizens everywhere. See, I just said a moment ago, what are you? You are an ambassador of Christ. Wherever you go, you take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Wherever your feet tread, That's where Jesus goes and the kingdom of God goes. So if you go to China, guess what? You you are his emissary, the King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, the risen and glorified one that has all power and authority, the ruler of kings on this earth is inside of you. Who can say anything? Come on. Young Young Kim, whatever his name is, what's he gonna say to you? You can't preach the gospel in North Korea. You want to bet? I serve the living, glorified Christ. Who are you? Well, you'll be thrown in prison. Yay! I'll, you'll be beheaded. Great! I'll see Jesus even sooner. See. Death has lost its sting. Can't do anything to us. Care what they say. (coughs) And he will triumph. Everybody say, "He he will triumph. The reign of Christ over the kings of the earth today means that he will triumph and bring all of his saving purposes to victory. You see, it's pretty hard to kill someone that's already dead and raised from the ground. <laughs> you know, I started wondering about that. I was like, what does it mean to be the firstborn among the dead? It kind of tripped me out. Firstborn. Well, see, does that mean that he was raised from the dead? Well, Lazarus was raised from the dead. People in the Old Testament were raised from the dead, so it can't mean that And And they went on to die again and go to heaven, but the firstborn among the dead. So I got to researching it, got to thinking about it. You see, Jesus was the first human being to ever die, rise from the dead, and be glorified, and the only one that can walk among the living stones before God. The only one that can fulfill the prophecy of Daniel the vision in the night. Behold, I saw one like the Son of Man approaching the Ancient of Days, and all power and authority was given unto him, a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, a kingdom that shall not pass away. That's who Jesus is. Can't kill somebody like that. So what is a earthly king afraid of? What's an earthly king afraid of? An earthly king. An earthly king. What's an earthly king afraid of? Losing power. Being overthrown. A revolt. Being killed. Dragged through the streets and made a spectacle of, right? That's what an earthly king's afraid of. Pretty hard to do that to Jesus. Behold, I was once dead, but now I live forevermore. They have no... Apocalypse, the unveiling, the end times, Jesus coming back with the double edged sword in his mouth and eyes flaming, hair white. What are they going to do? Nothing. And Christ is ordering the world for the good of the church. Finally, to reign with Christ over the rulers of the earth today means that Christ is ordering the world for the good of the church. And that means that it's for your holiness and your happiness. God has put all things under the feet of Christ and has made him head over all things for the church. Ephesians 1.22 He reigns for the sake of the church This is an awesome thought. It should utterly revolutionize the way you watch the news and read the newspaper and live out your life. If you watch the news with eye of faith, what you'll see being played out before you is a divine strategy of purifying and an expansion of the body of Christ. You can see this good news right here in Revelations 1, 4, and 5. It says, grace and peace to you. From Jesus Christ, let's stand up this morning. You've been listening to Valley's podcast. Valley Community Church is located at 1215 Julian R. Allsbrook Highway in Weldon, North Carolina. We invite you to attend one of our Sunday morning services at 8:30, 10, or 11:30 a.m. Visit us at valleychurch.us or our Valley app for more information about our ministry.